Hello and welcome to John's Author Diary for the week ending December 17, 2017. Now, I don't know about you, but it's nearly the end of the year and I keep finding myself having to double check the date. This week has been a real mixed bag of different things, a real hodgepodge. I wrote another chapter for my Blind Gambit standalone novel and I found myself having to do a lot of things that are writing related, but not necessarily adding to my word count. So, for example, I have started building a world-building Bible for a space marine project that I'm working on collaboratively. This is going to come after we've finished with the Black Death series. So I've basically built a hyper-document, which is essentially a document that everyone can edit, and it's very easy to navigate. And so we can start dropping in all the pertinent details about the world and ships and cool things that we want to include. There's probably a lot in there that won't be included in the books, but I think it was Ernest Hemingway who said that what you see in a novel is basically the tip of an iceberg, that there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on in the background that you don't get to see, but it all informs what's going on in the main story. And I think that's what's going to happen here. I've also been doing the same for my fantasy project and just doing the actual world building and considering the landscape and the way the world works. You know, it's going to be a really unusual fantasy setting. I'll just say that. Doing that has given me a lot of ideas for story points and places that I want to visit within the story. So it's been really useful to do that and kind of get my head around the magic system because I'm a fan of authors like Brandon Sanderson who take an almost scientific approach to the way magic works. I like the idea that you can quantify stuff and that there's rules, but within those rules there's also room to play and come up with innovative things. So I've been getting into the real details of that. So that's been really fun. Just a little bit worried that I'm doing stuff that feels like writing, but isn't actually writing. So apart from that, I've also started work on the second draft of the first book in the Black Death series. It's been really good to revisit that. And I think what's been surprising is just how much the characters have changed and progressed, how much they've evolved. And I think that's a good thing. I think you need characters to do that. When I wrote my first drafts, they are terrible. They are basically like skeletons of stories. They're little better than screenplays in terms of the amount of actual action and description that you get within them. So my second draft, it's almost like I'm saying, this is what I wanted to say. And it's given me a chance to kind of go back and do that and to improve the sentences and to add things like foreshadowing and improve the sentence structures and things like that. When I've done my second draft, I'll go back over it and I will make the sentences even better and do more of an analytical draft. But with this one, it's just about getting the story right and filling out the world. What's strange, I hear a lot of authors talk about when you edit, you you cut 10% and I end up adding about 20 to 25 just because I write so leanly. And if I cut 10% out of what I was doing, it wouldn't make sense. So it's just different authors have different methods and that's fine. I got to meet what is probably going to be my next guide dog this week. He's a golden retriever called Digit, and he was very cute. So if he passes his training, then at the end of January, I should be going to stay on a two-week residency to go and train with him and gel with him. And then hopefully, come February, I'll have a new guide dog. So that should be awesome. Really excited about that. I've really missed not having a guide dog. I hate having to get around with a cane. I don't feel as confident getting around. So really looking forward to that. Really positive going into 2018. Now I did something this week that I said to myself that I wouldn't do and I responded to a review on Amazon. Now I didn't say anything that was rude or anything like that but I've seen this happen a couple of times now where someone will read my Wizard of the Wasteland novel and because they're an attentive reader they'll pick out things that I've put there as clues to something not quite being right with the world which kind of gets revealed by the time you get to book three and in book four it's going to be all out okay we know what's going on 
but it's a little bit frustrating to me when the things that I'm putting there and almost making a point of showing, you know, hanging a lantern above them saying, hey, look, isn't this odd? And they're being picked up on as me being a bad writer or something negative. And I should shut up. I should just let people have their say, but, you know, <laughs> I'm human. So, yeah, so I responded and just said that, you know, thank you for the review and just pointed out that what he thought was bad writing was actually clues to something else. The inconsistencies are there by design, but obviously until you get to the second and third book, you don't really know that. So maybe that's a lesson for me to take on board as well. I've carried on reading the Book of the New Sun by Gene Wolfe. I'm now on the final book, which is called The Citadel of the Autark. And I have to say, I'm loving this series, just revisiting it. I've mentioned it before. It's just really deep and strange. It's a definite reward rereading it. So I'm about a quarter of the way through that. I should probably finish that next week. I also finished another writing craft book, which is called Outlining Your Novel by K.M. Wyland. Now, I thought this was pretty good. I've read her book on, I think it's called Structuring a Novel before, and I felt that that was a little bit too prescriptive. But this one had a lot of cool stuff in, a lot of nice little tips. And there's one or two things that I'll probably take from it. But I outline already and there wasn't that much in there that I don't do already or I haven't tried. This thing is an ongoing process. You know, I really want to write the best stories that I can. And I found that my method of writing works really well when I put a lot of my effort up front in terms of outlining and plotting and things like that. And I found that doing that helps me write a lot faster because I know where I'm going. And even in that process, there's still a lot of room for manoeuvre, a lot of room for change. I'm at about the 40% point in my draft for Blind Gambit. And it might be why I've ended up doing all these other kind of things is because I think there's something not quite clicking with the outline. There's something that I need to think about and resolve. I think some people would call that writer's block. I just think it's my subconscious telling me this is what you need to do. And so I just need to think on that and maybe sit down with a pen and paper and just kind of plan that out. The one thing that did infuriate me about this book is I can't remember the exact line, but it was something along the lines of you need to wait until your muse gives you the green light to write a story. And this is the type of myth about creation and artistry and writing that needs to go. I used to write professionally as a journalist. I've done other creative enterprises in the past. And I do wonder how long it'll last in a newsroom if I said to my editor, oh, I don't feel inspired to write today. The muse hasn't struck me. Well, I know how long it'll last. I'd get the sack. (laughs) I wouldn't be with a job. So I think waiting for a spark of inspiration, waiting for some magical spirit thing to give you a story is complete nonsense and it's an excuse not to write. I try and write every day and it's a habit I've gotten into. Writing can be draining, you know, especially when you're writing stories, you're really digging into yourself. And speaking for me, I want to put out a really good quality story, one that tries to be honest and tries to speak truth to power and tries to do something different. And it does have its own challenges. But at the same time, there's a lot of writers out there who are just getting on with it day by day, doing the job and writing. They sit down, they've got a routine. There's an author called Paul Teague who has a podcast that is aimed at other authors and it was his diary that I listen to of his every week that basically inspired this. And part of his writing process is he will write 5,000 words in a session and it's almost like clockwork. He does this, he sits down every week, he's got a set method for doing it and then within 10 weeks he's got the draft of a 50,000 word novel and it's consistent, he's got a routine and I've never heard him say on his podcast that he's got a writer's block or he's waiting for the muse. It just needs preparation and a bit of knowledge as to where you go, which is why outlining is so useful 
I've got a couple of questions today. Pete Oldin asks, how easy slash hard do you find writing characters who say things you don't agree with? I don't find it hard at all to do that. I've written horrible characters. I've written really nice characters. I think the key is to be fair and respectful to the character, even if you disagree with them. Hey, apply that to life. In my Wasteland series, one of the central themes running through is the debate between religion and atheism. My main character, Abel, is very much an atheist, but he's also respectful of a Christian community who he trades with. And then within that Christian community, the characters are godly and the path of Christ is very much at the forefront of their thinking. But both of these groups' characters want to do right. And so whatever my religious or non-religious position is, whatever my beliefs are, I wanted to go at both of those characters, the atheist, the Christian, and treat them fairly and treat them responsibly. And I think that has worked. I've had emails from readers who have said they really like the fact that I've got a atheist character who's got a firm moral grounding. And then I've had a couple of people who've emailed me talking about how it's nice to see a post-apocalyptic novel with a religious community where religion doesn't make you a nutter, where people are still interested in the scriptures and doing Christian work. You know, where I stand on this is a private thing and it doesn't really matter one way or another. I do find it gives me pause for thought when someone is responding in a positive way to something I've written about something I disagree with or don't hold as a value. But I think that means that what I've done is successful as a writer, so... Hopefully that's answered that. I think this next question links in quite nicely. This is from Patrick McLaughlin and he asked me, do you get readers who don't like your message? If so, what do you say? I don't really think I've had anyone not like my message. My message really in the books is no matter how things get, there's still always hope. And if people find a problem with that, then I think that says more about their own worldview than it does me. But I've said this before about reviews in a previous episode. I think I said something along the lines of, it's none of my business what people think about my work. People are free to make their own interpretations and to take what they want from it. If people don't like the themes that I'm working with or the message that I'm trying to get across, then that's fine. I appreciate the fact that they have spent time in my world. You know, I think a lot of authors don't appreciate this, that, you know, there's a financial thing of a reader paying for a book and even if you're giving away the book for free which I know some authors do there's still the amount of time that it takes to read a 60,000 word novel you know that's a lot of commitment that could be several hours that could be over a week it could be over a month and so you're inviting someone into your world and they're inhabiting it for a while and the fact that there are people out there who've done that is really humbling so I think I've gone on (laughs) quite a bit today hopefully it'll make up for the next few weeks As I mentioned last time, I'll be putting some things onto the podcast feed that aren't straight author diaries, because obviously Christmas is around the corner and I've got family staying and all this. If you haven't done so already, you can read the prequel to my Wasteland series, Addict of the Wasteland, for free. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash getmyprequel. Or if you just want to get straight into the novels, visit tinyurl.com slash wizardofthewasteland. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at JL Cronshaw. And I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash John Cronshaw author. So until next time, cheerio. Mm-hmm.